Stand with me and let's read. It's a fairly lengthy passage, but it's powerful and it's rich and it's meaty and it's one of the most important conversations that's ever occurred in the history of mankind. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the presence of your spirit. I pray that you would give us ears to hear, you'd give us hearts to understand. I pray that we would dwell in your presence today, Father. Every person here, even those who have not formally known you, would realize you're here. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I, uh, I, I love this, uh, this picture. Margaret said I needed to explain why that was Nicodemus. Uh, that's Nicodemus because the guy who did this picture said that was Nicodemus. <laughs> Looks like Don Fento to me. But, uh, but, and some of you know who Don Fento is. He's uh, one, of the, one of the daddies in the church in Nashville. But Nicodemus, in this particular passage, there are generally two 
things that are focused on, um, not to the exclusion of everything else, but yeah, mostly to the exclusion of everything else. One is that, that phrase, born again, uh, because this is, this is where that occurs in the Bible, and we're going to be talking about that here in just a few minutes, uh, what it means, what it is. Uh, another is the, uh, the golden text of the Bible, John 3.16. If you know any verse in the Bible beyond Jesus wept, you probably know uh, John 3.16. That's, that's the first verse that people learn, and it's a great verse to learn. You know, if you're, gonna, if you're only going to know one, this is the one to know. This passage is indicative of how John differs from the other Gospels. Um, John tends to go in depth on particular events that take place, and he goes in depth on conversations. Uh, next week, well, not next week, uh, but in chapter 4, there's a very lengthy conversation he goes in depth to, his very famous conversation, and, and he does that in several of his chapters. Today, what we're going to do, though, is we're going to just hit some highlights, because I don't have a lot of time, and I don't have several weeks to go through this. But, uh, uh, and most of you probably wouldn't, you know, you're too ADD to uh, be able to, ADHD, yeah, to be, to be able to, to put up with that. And I am myself, so where am I? Uh, <laughs> we're going to hit some highlights, is what we're going to do today. Nicodemus comes, he says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. If you recall last week... Uh, at the end of chapter 2, it talked about Jesus uh, had performed signs and many put their faith in him, but Jesus wouldn't entrust himself to them because he knew what was in people. And signs are not really, following signs are not something that causes God to entrust himself to us because they're, they're just attention getters is all they are. And so this is what Nicodemus says, no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him wrong. Simon thinks he's wrong. I think he's wrong. We're not the only ones who think that he's wrong. Jesus thinks he's wrong. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Great signs and wonders. Paul thinks he's wrong. Over in 2 Thessalonians, Paul says, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. It's possible for them to serve the lie. John, in some of his other writings, thinks he's wrong. Revelation, he's talking about the false prophet. He says he performs great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. I, I keep making this point, not because I don't believe in signs and wonders. I do. God does signs and wonders. God has done some marvelous things for people in this body very recently. I mean, in terms of, in terms of physical healings, in terms of financial miracles, in terms of relationships being restored and put back together, all those things, things in the, in the supernatural realm, and I absolutely, totally believe in that. But the reason why I... I tend to hit this point fairly frequently is I also believe what Scott was saying about the, the timer getting close to, to countdown. That was actually counterclockwise, wasn't it? But 
but we're doing countdown yeah so that that's right the time are getting close to, to countdown and I and I believe that the Bible teaches that the closer we get to the end the stronger the deception becomes and so it's it's important for us to understand that it's not just signs signs get our attention but they don't bring us to salvation the only thing that can bring us to salvation is the Word of God that's that's where that's where the power is and so Jesus jumps right over Nicodemus's talk about I mean you know, he could have sit there and gone you know recounted some of the wonderful things he had done yeah that was pretty that was cool did you see that did you notice that no he, he didn't go to any of that stuff he jumped straight to the chase very truly I tell you no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again what does born again mean this unfortunately this this phrase born again has, has been reduced in large part to a cultural buzz phrase in the United States quite frankly many use it few can define it and so when they talk to people about being born again or and somebody goes well what does that mean you most of the time that's kind of like uh, well it means you go to my church you know it means you means you came down and you shook the pastor's hand it means this it, it means that uh, I would suggest really even when you know what it means that a better phrase for um, uh, for talking to those who are not with Christ is to say do you know Christ as your personal Savior I, I think that that's more accessible to the uninitiated uh, I mean even even I'm not saying don't use born again because it's obviously it's a it's a biblical phrase but it, I'm just saying what might communicate a little better to, to people and especially if you don't know what it means because knowing Christ is your personal Savior you do know what that means uh, and also I think the true theology behind um, being born again is the defining characteristic of another term that's used a lot in our culture that most people don't know what it actually means and that's evangelical you know what's an evangelical well an evangelical is actually somebody who believes you must be born again. That's really what they are. Well, what's the alternative to that? Well, the alternative is that uh, a lot of churches, a lot of uh, especially liturgical churches, believe that salvation comes through the church, through a particular relationship with the church. And I, you know, I can't, uh, I, there are arguments for that. That's great. Just for me, I'm an evangelical because I can't get around the fact that unless you've been born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. So, so I, you know, I, I think that there's, a, that that's a, that's a pretty important, no, it's a, it's a very important, it's an essential element to being, uh, to being saved. Now, I'm not saying that people in liturgical churches aren't saved. Plenty of them are born again. I'm just saying it's a, it's a different perspective uh, theologically. Nicodemus is, uh, and let me, let me say one other thing about this, because the term born again, also, un unfortunately, has, has sort of taken on, become sort of an us versus them term, a term that kind of builds walls and casts dispersions on others and carries a lot of social and political baggage with it. And uh, quit tripping. It's not about any of that stuff. It, it's, that, that's got nothing to do with it. It's about what we're getting ready to talk about. 
Nicodemus uh, initially took it very literally. He said, how can someone be born when they're old? I mean, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And, and then Jesus took him, took, took him out into the deeper water where trust has no borders. And he said, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. And some might look at these terms, water and the Spirit, and, uh, and consider that Jesus was saying that you have to be water baptized and, and that it must be from the heart. And I certainly can't argue with it needing to be from the heart. I mean, um, Peter says that, you know, it's not just washing dirt off your body. I mean, it's definitely got to be from the heart. Uh, I, I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here, though, water baptism. The water baptism is very important. Really is. I, I personally don't believe that it's absolutely essential to salvation because I think that that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. But if you got faith in Jesus Christ and you haven't been water baptized, what's up with you? I mean, really? Is he your Lord or not? You know, do you, do you obey him or not? He said to do it. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, someone going, well, man, I love you. I want to live my life with you. I'm dedicated to you. No one else but you for me forever. But I ain't making it public. That probably hit too close to home for some people. <laughs> you know, not, not, not going not gonna to marry you. Not going to make it official. But just know, you know, hey, if, if, if he's your Savior and he's your Lord and he says, be baptized in water, and that's the sign where you make it public, and you also take a step of obedience. Why wouldn't you do that? Okay, I, I wasn't expecting anybody to answer me. I just was, just was asking the question, just putting it out there. But I would argue that that's not what Jesus is talking about here. You must be born of water and spirit. Now, Nicodemus is asking... Um, uh, from a natural standpoint, he's talking about entering into a womb a second time and being born. And, and our natural birth is by water. I mean, we spend nine months in an aqueous solution. And, and then when we're, when we're born, uh, usually that's accompanied by the, the mom's water breaking. Okay, that's one. Everybody's got that one. And then coming to Christ, getting saved, being born again, they're all different ways of describing something that happens subsequent to that, something that must happens subsequent to that, and it's an absolutely transforming, revolutionizing experience that takes place in our lives. Colossians 1.13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I love this passage. I love this image. The idea is, and it's true, that before we come to him, we're, we're just bumping around out there in the dark, no clue, no idea where, where we're going and getting saved, being born again, having Jesus as our personal Savior. It's like walking into a, a pitch dark room with, with no, no windows, nothing, and turning the light switch on and all of a sudden, whoo, there it is. I, I, that was the way it was in my life. I, I know all of a sudden things that I looked at one way one day and thought, oh, that's that. You know, the next day it was like, Oh, no, that's, not, that's something completely different from what I thought it was. It's a, it's a revolutionary thing. I've also used this verse several times lately. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You're a new person. 
It, and it's not just like, hey, this is Ronnie 2.0. Yeah, this is, I, I'm new and improved. Just wait until the next one comes out. No, it's, you're a, a different creature. A, a, a different species, actually, is how radical it is. And then, oh, I was, yeah, there we go. Now, you brothers and sisters like Isaac are children of promise. Uh, Isaac. Abraham and Sarah's boy, he was born in an impossible way. Um, Sarah was barren. He was born to a woman who was barren. And it wasn't just they had tried a few times. You know, it wasn't just my parents had been married 14 years before I came along and they got their miracle. But... 14 years, you know, you can kind of go, oh, okay, well, for 14 years, things didn't work out too well, and then, you know, jackpot. But this woman was barren, and Abraham and Sarah had been together for decades. Now, if I were to come next week and announce that Margaret and I were expecting a little bundle of joy, I know Margaret looks young, but it would be a miracle. <laughs> Give us 40 more years. How much of a miracle would it be then? Yeah. Well, that's Abraham and Sarah. That's, that's what was going on. That's what was going on with them. It was a miraculous birth. It was not something that can happen in the natural. And this... This being born again business is not something that can happen in the natural. Jesus goes on to say, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. And this is a, this is a passage of, that, that is a life verse for me. And it really ought to be a life verse for virtually all Christians. This is what Jesus is talking about. To enter the kingdom of of God requires a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. It cannot be done any other way. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Let me bring this up to date. We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Democrat, independent, or Republican, whether conservative, liberal, or anarchist, whether Communist, capitalist, socialist, red and yellow, black and white. None of those things matter. This is what matters. One spirit baptizes us into one body. We've been given one spirit to drink. You, however, are not of the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Nicodemus had been taught, he was a Pharisee. He had been taught, he had been raised totally uh, indoctrinated into a culture where he was taught that it was primarily about being born into the right family after the flesh and then keeping the rules after that. And we oftentimes, especially in this country, have a tendency to, to still think that way. I was born a Christian. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. I, I mean, you may have been born into a Christian home. You may have been born into a godly heritage. And I, I praise God that I was because I, 
I'm so hard-headed, I don't think I, I would have gotten it any other way. But that did not make me a Christian. God has no grandchildren. When, I was, when Isaac was getting ready to enter um, a teenhood, what, you know, what you call that. Uh, when I was, and we, we, you know, we had the talk about everything. I mean, you know, part of it is birds and bees and stuff. But, you know, we talked about other things too. We talked about handling money and stuff. But the most important thing that we talked about was I said, you know, up until this point in time, I know that you love the Lord, son. And I know that you're, uh, I know, you are a Christian. But over the next 10 years, you're going to find out if you really are or not because it's been mommy and daddy so far and you're going to hit a phase where what mommy and daddy thinks isn't quite as important to you as it once was and if you don't have if you've never had a teenager <laughs> just let me tell you you're in for something because that's that's what happens and at that point in time you'll decide you know and so it's not something that we're born into and and in particular you know i hear this all the time well, she was a good woman. You know, he's a, he's, he was a good man. You know, when, I, when I go to funerals and stuff, I hear people say, well, you know, I'm just doing the best I can and leave the rest up to the Lord to decide. No, you're not. You're not doing the best you can. Uh, you know, everybody in here who is batting a thousand, everybody in here who gives it 100% to live for the Lord every second of every day, stand on your head. Okay, raise your hand. You know, nobody. You know, no, none of us are doing that. It's not about those things. It's about new birth, something that only the Holy Spirit can do through us. Not, not only must we come to Christ and salvation through the Spirit, though, after we've come to Christ, the reason why I said it, must, it has to be one of our life verses is after we've come to Christ, we still can do nothing according to the flesh. And we have a tendency to think that, okay, by God's grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I am now saved and going to heaven, and now I've got to get busy making this thing work out. Galatians 3.3, 3. are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? I, I like some of the other translations, especially the one that says, oh, you dear idiots of Galatia. <laughs> Starting out in the Spirit, you're trying to finish up in the flesh now? Jesus says in John 15.5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, you know I'm not one of these, everybody repeat after me, but everybody say nothing. <laughs> do you believe that? What is the key, the key to being fruitful in the kingdom? Remaining in Christ. That is your assignment, should you choose to accept it. It's to remain in Christ. Remain in Christ. Well, aren't we supposed to go get the world saved? Aren't we supposed to do this? Aren't we help this person do that? Uh, <clears throat> remain in Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added to you. 
And it's not just talking about money. It's not just talking about where your food's going to come from. It's talking about fruitfulness in, in the kingdom, meaningfulness, ac- accomplishing something for God. It's over in, uh, I don't remember exactly what chapter uh, of, of 1 Corinthians, says that when we come before the judgment seat of Christ, when we stand before him, there'll be those who are saved, and they'll bring in all these works, and they will burn up like wood, hay, and stubble. Gone. And every single one of them will be something I did. For you, God. But the things that will be tried and refined in the fire and come forth as pure gold will be things that he did through me as I rested in him. Flesh can only give birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. One more thing here. Paul And writing to the Corinthians when he had his thorn in the flesh. God said to this, said this to him because he was crying out to God, you know, God, take it away. And and God said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul was a very talented man. He's a very intelligent man. He had had, um, incredible training. I mean, today he'd be a multiple PhD. It'd be what, what he would. Plus he was a man of passion. He was a man who, you know, he, he woke up with Christ, he went through the day thinking about Christ, went to bed thinking about Christ, and, that, and that's fine, uh, with this passion to serve. And God just kind of put the brakes on him. Because when you're that kind of person, you sometimes, it's so easy to slip into the, I got this one, God. Watch what I'm doing here, God. Look out, devil. And God's going, hey, not about you. Remember, I sent 31,700 of Gideon's soldiers home because there was too many for me to work through. Flesh can only give birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Jesus talked about Moses raising up the serpent in the wilderness, the Nehushtan. This is over in, uh, in Numbers chapter 21. The people were nearing the end of their wilderness uh, wanderings, and... <clears throat> They begin to complain against the Lord. They begin to complain against Moses. And the Lord sent uh, venomous snakes among them, a plague of snakes. And people were being bitten and people were dying. And um, somebody finally figured out that that probably wasn't a good idea to complain against the Lord and against Moses. Uh, Maybe we should repent. And so they went to Moses and they were repenting and said it, it was we're sorry, it was a bad idea. Please take these snakes away. And, uh, and Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord told him, he said, make a snake, put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. What a stupid way to get healed. I mean, seriously. I, Hey, I got an idea, you know, no, no antibiotics, no antivenom, uh, none of this kind of stuff. Look at that, look at that pole with a snake on it. That'll cure you. And you know that there were people who went, I ain't doing that. That's just too, uh-uh. And they died. (laughs) 
But everyone who went, I'll do it. See, there was no power in that snake. There was no magic emanating out from the snake, you know, healing frequencies, stuff like that. The power was in the belief in God's word. God said, do this. God said to, to uh, uh, Naboth, was it Naboth? No, it was Naboth. Boy, I'm having a senior moment here. Who was the guy who dipped seven times? Naaman. Yes, okay. I, it's good to have a, a semi-literate biblical uh, congregation. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> to Naaman. You know, go dip seven times in the Jordan River, and that, that'll cure you of leprosy. That had never cured anybody of leprosy before. But God said to do it, and God's word brings power with it when it's combined with our faith. And Jesus said, you know how, how crazy that was when Moses did that in the wilderness? Well, get this. The Son of Man's going to have to be lifted up, and in exactly the same way, everyone who believes in him We'll have eternal life. What a crazy way to have your sins forgiven. What a, what, a, what a crazy way to make up for all of the stuff that you've done. What a crazy way to become holy and righteous in the sight of God. The source of our sin, though, you see, is unbelief. If you've been here before, you've heard me say this, but it's, it's just too good and it's, it's too important. That's, that is this, the source of our sin is not pride. That was the source of Lucifer's sin. The source of our sin is unbelief. In Genesis chapter 2, God said, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Satan comes along and says, you will not certainly die. And we went... We choose door number two. That's who we choose to believe. And that is the root of all sin in this world. Unbelief in, in, God's, in God's word. And so if that's what the problem is, the cure is to believe. And so God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And, and notice what it says, God loved the world. The, the, the word that's used there is, is, is actually cosmos. And, and he doesn't say God so loved the children of Jacob so much. He doesn't say God so loved the righteous so much. Or God so loved the, the ecclesia, the called out ones that translated church most places in the, in the New Testament. It says God loved the world. And, and one definition of that that I came across was the ungodly, unwashed multitude, the whole mass of men alienated from God. God loved that stinking mass so much that he gave his one and only son. Romans 5.10 says, Well, we were God's enemies. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son so that anyone who believes. Sickness is unbelief. The cure is belief. Can have eternal life. And eternal life isn't just, that concept isn't just uh, existence forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Uh, because quite frankly, 
I mean, I've got a pretty good life going on, but I don't think I want to do this for the next 10,000 million years. <laughs> really don't. But it is the quality of life that God has as well. In His presence is the fullness of joy. In His right hand are blessings forevermore. Continually creative, continually righteous and, 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 and holy and in, in the presence of of light now that's that's something I could probably put up with forever and ever and ever and ever shall have eternal life and that's the core that is the essence of the issue so when we say to people are you saved and they say from what and we say your sins that doesn't register with very many people because most people aren't thinking you know I kind of like my sins. I don't know why I want to be saved from them. In fact, most people are thinking that. A lot of people think that. But that's not the issue. The issue is, are you saved from what? From death. Because the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins will die. Those things that we're going, I kind of like that, are killing us. And there's a way out. You can't work your way out. You can't learn your way out. You can't cry your way out. You have to be born again. Supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to be anything more than a member of the unwashed, ungodly, alienated from God mass who decides, I'm going to look and believe in what God said. That's where the power is. Would you stand with me? Would those who are going to pray with people come forward this morning? And if you're here and you need... You need God. Maybe you need him to save you from death. Maybe you need something that somebody would go, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a sign and wonder. He does those. He does those. And so if you need healing, if you need direction, if you need finances sorted out, if you need relationships healed if you need to meet Christ if you, if you if you'd like to live and not die born once die twice born twice die once that we can take care of that business today right now if you don't need to come then we're gonna worship for a few moments you worship with us but if you do you come uh, it's free the water's free it's good it's good I give myself away I give myself away so you can use me I give myself away Give myself away so you 
God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his Son into the world so that we might have eternal life so that we might be born in newness of spirit may that experience be quickened in you made alive in you may it may it be attractive to those around you so that they too will be pointed to his beauty. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.